This podcast is offered by Hakkabai Zen Center on the web at hakkabai.org. Our programs are made possible by the generosity of people like you. So, we're going to do another very advanced practice. Before we start, uh, here's how it goes. Make, squinch your face up as big as you can. Big smile. And then just smile. Last night everyone was so serious. I was very serious. Uh, The venerable Zen master Thich Nhat Hanh, in one of his books, read any of his books, but in one of his books, He says, if you see a statue of the Buddha, or you sit like the Buddha, or you sit as the Buddha, please smile. All these serious Buddhas. It's only the fate of your entire life and the whole known universe that's at stake, so it's, it's fine. So last night I got two questions, both from my wife, Kelly. So I thought I'd start with those. I figured out how to give Dharma talks. You just have to invite Kelly because she asked really good questions. So the first question was, why all the form? Why the robes and the bowing and the chanting and the frustrations? And I think it's a very good question to start with. Because it can look like we're sort of playing Japanese. Only Dai, Dai's not here, but only Dai is Japanese. So he's exempt from that, but it can look kind of foreign. And I think there's three reasons, at least three reasons. One is support. Support for practice. The sensei said this on the first day, yesterday. Um, all of these things are support, should be support for practice. How we sit, uh, but also robes. If you're wearing robes, you don't have to think about what to wear in the morning. It's helpful. If you're keeping silent, you don't have to think about what to say. Helpful. If you're eating orayoki style like we've been eating, you don't have to think about how to eat or what to eat. It's just the food comes. You bow, you eat, you bow, the food goes. So it makes sashin much easier, but also in all of the different times we practice, uh, these forms are helpful, should be. If they're not helpful, there's good reason to ask yourself whether to do the form. The form standing in the way, that's not so helpful. The second reason I can think is respect. Mm. Uh, When I I practiced here for a long time with sensei, and in retrospect, I lacked respect. I would come, I would call him Martin, which was fine, it is his name. But I would, uh, I'd come and I'd sit, we'd sit together, and I 
somehow just couldn't learn basic things like bow when you enter the zendo, bow to your cushion, turn clockwise, bow to each other, sit down. Somehow, I'll say it slipped my mind, but really it wasn't slipping my mind. It was lack of respect. I didn't understand why the forms mattered. I'm not very formal as a human being. It's not my thing. Hmm. So two years ago, uh, Sensei and I went to Japan for a ceremony that he had to do, and it was the first time that the forms made sense to me. We went to the temple in Kamo, which is the sister temple or the parent temple. I don't know how we should say it. (laughs) Parent, I think, to Hakubai. And uh, and suddenly it made sense. Bune Hojo-sama, not not Kebun Hojo-sama, the current priest at the temple in Kamo. Every morning he gets up, he does what we do. Not exactly the same, but he does it much faster. (laughs) But basically the same. And someone has been doing that same liturgy, that same service in that temple in little tiny Kamo, Japan, every day for something like 400 years. Every day, the same way. We went to Sojoji, and we've also been to Eheji, the two biggest of the Soto Zen monasteries. And you go to Eheji, and there's hundreds of monks And they're doing the same thing every morning at the same time, essentially, that we're doing. And they've been doing it for 600 years. Eheji, Ehe Dogen. When Dogen, we'll get back to Dogen in a second, but when when Dogen comes back to Japan, he goes to Kyoto. That's not working out so well. (laughs) There's some conflict, so he goes to the mountains and he founds a monastery. That's Eheji. They've been doing the same thing for 600 plus years. And you can feel it, the whole place vibrates. The drums, the chanting, everything the same way. So one reason we do this, we keep these forms as respect. And then a third reason is transmission. The forms are what are transmitted from one generation to another generation, 80 generations down. Imagine that, well, imagine that you are the Shakyamuni Buddha, the historical Buddha. And you're trying to transmit instructions for sanity as far into the future as you can. What do you do? You create forms. You create culture. And you transmit those forms. Because it doesn't matter what you say. All that matters is can the people who learn the forms find their own way? Can the forms help them find their way? So you transmit forms. Now the forms we learned, these forms, are from Japan. As far as we know, Shakyamuni Buddha never went to Japan. But so they've been translated. They got translated India and then up to China and then to Japan and then to the United States. 
So you might say to yourself, well, why are you still doing Japanese forms? Why aren't you doing American forms? And that's a really good question. And I think the answer is we don't know. Buddhism really came to the United States. Came earlier, but really got exposure in the 60s. Suzuki Roshi shows up in San Francisco. Kobun Chino shows up in San Francisco at Suzuki Roshi's assistance or invitation. And Kobun is the practice master at Eheji. He comes to the United States to help Suzuki Roshi establish Buddhism, Zen, in San Francisco. It's a good time to do it. There's lots of hippies. They all want to. They all want to. They all want to learn. And Kobun sets up Tasahara and sets up the forms. The form of Oriyoki we did today is a modified form. That's an American form of Oriyoki that Kobun modified from the Eheji form because Eheji's form was too complicated for Americans. They couldn't figure it out. Hmm. This Okesa, fantastically enough, the Okesa that we sew Kelly can tell you I spent last year sewing this. And traditionally, this case is the same design, more or less, that the historical Shakyamuni, trans, well, that Ananda, his disciple, came up with and then transmitted monk by monk by monk, generation by generation. Same design. And we hand sew them. But intriguingly, in Japan, they don't hand sew them anymore. The monks don't. We asked Bune Hojasama at Kamo, Do you, did you sew? He said, no. Most monks just buy one or given one. Only very devout monks anymore sew these. So what's really funny is in the United States, partly because of San Francisco, we've taken the practice and recreated it. And now there are some monks in Japan who are learning it from teachers from the United States. So it's changing all the time. And I would predict if we can establish Zen practice here at Hakubai for 200 years, which is a goal. It won't look like this in 200 years. It will look a little different. But for now, I feel, personally feel, that learning the forms is helping me practice. And I'm reluctant to throw things out until I know what's important and what's not, and I don't know enough yet to know what's really important and what's not. And Buddhism's only been here, Zen's only been here really for 50 years. There are some Zendos in the United States that have modified things some, and there's a lot that haven't, because 50 years isn't very long compared to 2,500. The second question that Kelly asked was, now, wait a minute, she said, you said something that doesn't make any sense. You said last night, cleaning something that's already clean. Hmm. This is the danger of using language. Genshin, if my language gets too sloppy, you have to raise your hand or something. Genshin has very precise language, which is why he never says anything. Um, so... The, in the context of what we were talking about last night, I may have said that, I have no idea what I said, but 
I was trying to say, and it's very complicated to say, practice enlightenment. That's not two words, one word. Practice hyphen enlightenment. Perfect, imperfect, one word. Clean, dusty, one word. Not one or the other. Not neither. Not both. So having cleared that up, let's read Fukan Zazengi because actually the next paragraph addresses Kelly's question far better than I can. So what I thought we would do is start at the beginning and I'd ask everyone to read one sentence. So if we start with Kiku and we go across the first row and then we'll go to Quail, welcome Quail, and then we'll go across this row and so on. We'll just read, and we're just gonna read the first three paragraphs. So Fukan Zazengi, I'll start. As I said last night, the universal recommend... Oh, could someone give Quail a copy? Thank you. The universally recommended or urged instructions for sitting zazen wholly, fully, completely, totally with righteousness and sincerity. The way is originally perfect and all-pervading. How could it be contingent on practice and realization? The true vehicle is self-sufficient. When need is there for concentrated effort? Indeed. First paragraph. Indeed, the whole body is free from dust. Who could believe in a means to brush it clean? What use is they going off here and there to practice? Barbara? And yet, if there is a hair's breadth deviation, it is like the gap between heaven and earth. If the least like or dislike arises, the mind is lost in confusion. Suppose you are confident in your understanding and rich in enlightenment gaining the wisdom that runs through all things, attaining the way and clarifying the mind, arousing an aspiration to reach from heaven. Um, you are playing with the entrance way. You are still short of the vital path of emancipation. So let's stop there. That's perfect. Perfect number of sentences. So last night we started with the first paragraph. Dogen begins with this rhetorical question, right? How could it be contingent on practice and realization? And last night's a nice way to start. It's almost like a preamble, like a prompt. What use is there going off here and there to practice? It is never apart from this very place. So that's where we ended. And then he turns the corner. And yet, if there is a hair's breadth deviation, it is like the gap between heaven and earth. Oh, it was going so well. <laughs> and if the least like or dislike arises, the mind is lost in confusion. Now, these are instructions for Zazen. And if you've been itchy to get to 
how do I sit and do I keep my eyes open or my eyes? You're welcome to read ahead because he's getting there, but it takes him a while. He just starts with wham. If the least like or dislike arises, the mind is lost in confusion. Hmm. So, the historical Buddha taught most basic thing aversion, attachment. Like, I guess I flipped them. Dislike, like. Want, don't want. If the least like or dislike, many of us have been sitting all day and we were just sitting for an hour. And if you watched your mind during that hour, if it went anywhere, it probably went like, dislike. Like the sound of the bird, dislike the way my knee knee feels. Want it to be cooler, don't want my knee to hurt. Like, dislike. And if you follow that thought, it just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. Don't like Scott. Don't like the Zendo anymore. Don't like myself. And Dogen starts with the least like or dislike, a hair's breadth deviation, the mind is lost. So he's, he's not um, mellow about this. <laughs> I mean, it's not like, oh, well, you know, just hang out. It's cool. Everything's fine. Everything is fine. But to Kelly's question from last night, there's something then he's instructing us about. If you've been watching your mind and if you watch your thoughts over the next day, and I really encourage people to watch the urge to speak. I noticed a lot of speaking today, which is fine. But watch the urge to speak. Catch yourself. Why? Do you really need to say what you're about to say? Is it to look good? Is it to change something? Is it to correct somebody? Fix something? Does it really need to be fixed? Or does it just, it's fine as it is. And really, it's just like, dislike. It's just want, don't want. And then he goes on, and this is where it gets really fun in this paragraph. Suppose you are confident in your understanding and rich in enlightenment. Oh. So this is good, right? Gaining the wisdom that runs through all things. Attaining the way, with a capital W, and clarifying the mind. Arousing an aspiration to reach for the heavens. That feels great. Back to paragraph one. It's feeling good again. You are playing in the entranceway. But you are still short of the vital path of emancipation. No. So when we came back from Japan in January, 
or in December. The first time I came back here to sit was a Sunday morning. I don't remember when it was, January or February. And I was here early and I came in and, you know, I was feeling kind of shiny about myself. Just went to Japan, got my okesa. Nobody told me my stitching was bad, so that was feeling pretty good. And there was a new person here, a guy I'd never said, maybe he wasn't new, I don't know, but I told myself a whole story about how he's new and so I should welcome him. So I welcomed him and we're standing out in the foyer and, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, well, I have to show him how to come in and I'll bow and everything. And I'm just totally wrapped up in this little ego trip that I'm having. And so I turn to walk into the Zendo, which I've done five zillion times before and crack my forehead on the door jam. Bang! And I kind of, oh, and he kind of, oh, I'm sure he felt like, are you going to pass out? And so I came in and I came to sit down and I got this bump started forming as we're sitting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Served me right. Of course, I was playing in the entranceway, right? Literally. The second you fill yourself with thoughts of how confident you are in your understanding and rich in enlightenment, whack! And I told this story to Alex, and Alex said, ah, the Buddha intervened, which is true. I intervened in my own silliness. Crack. The good news is that I got a good story out of it. And the whole topic for this retreat came from that crack in the head. Because that's the topic. What is progress? All these things, Dogen says in paragraph two, you're just playing in the entranceway. It's really easy when we're sitting or we're on sashin to fill our minds with all kinds of meta thoughts about sashin and sitting. I'm not doing it right. Kiku's doing it better than me. Jiho's better at Orioki. I should sit near Jiho. Why, does it, why don't I get to sit near Jiho? Why am I having so many thoughts? I shouldn't be having so many thoughts. It's day two. I should be having less thoughts than yesterday. I'm having more thoughts than yesterday. It's just endless. Meta thoughts on meta thoughts on meta thoughts. You can't be present because you're so preoccupied with being present. Or you can't be present because you feel so good about yourself for how present you are. So we haven't gotten very far in the Fukan Zazangi, but we've gotten a long way. There's something we're supposed to be doing, or we are doing, something is happening. Dogen's describing 
I'll read the third paragraph. Consider the Buddha. Although he was wise at birth, the influence of his six years of upright sitting is noticeable still. As for Bodhidharma, the Saint Bodhidharma, although he had received the mind seal, his nine years of facing a wall is celebrated to this day. If even the ancient sages were like this, how can we today dispense with wholehearted practice? Dogen's a masterful writer. So he starts with his rhetorical question paragraph. Hmm. Is it practice or realization? What is it? What is this life we're in? Is it perfect? Is it imperfect? What's happening? And then he says, Ha! If the least like or dislike arises, you're lost. How can they, we therefore dispense with wholehearted practice? Last thing I'll say, and then we'll just have questions or discussion. The mind seal. What is the mind seal? What is it that Bodhidharma has? Well, a seal is that kind of seal, like we have on our rakasus. But that's not what they mean. The mind seal is the form. It's the posture. It's zazen itself. It's the practice. He had received the practice. And then he faced the wall for nine years. So we'll stop there for tonight with that. Again, for tomorrow, I encourage you to particularly watch yourself if you're, when you're about to speak. It's a useful It's a useful thing to check. Are there any comments or questions? Topics? Yep, Cornell? What is the vital path of emancipation? Great question. No idea. What is the vital path of emancipation? We still have two pages to go. Kelly, any questions? Not yet? Well, let me know because it will be our talk tomorrow night. By the way, it's, Sensei, you were right. The first night's the hardest. Last night I had all these notes. You should see my copy of Fuken Zazengi on my computer. It's got like 50 footnotes. I'll send it to you if you want it. All the things I can't remember, my memory is terrible. So all the things I can't remember and then I was trying to remember. So I wrote some things down on my thing last, uh, last week. I used some of it last night and I uh, 
enough of that. Why is it that it only takes a tiny little desire for the mind to be completely lost? Hmm. It's an extreme sentence. Tomorrow we'll get to talk about mind some more in the next few paragraphs. But for me, the question is, if I'm... Accepting this moment and this place exactly as they are, the first deviation is always a like or a dislike, a want or a don't want. That takes... mm, You can't actually be separate from this moment here exactly as things are. But that first want, don't want, separates or creates the illusion of separation. That something's wrong. If only, if only something were different. And that's the immediate illusion that you're observing reality and you wish it could be different. Separation, duality, dualism. So the ex- for me, the extreme, the extreme nature of the sentence is because it's true. <laughs> the tiniest deviation and boom, separation. Me and this moment, and then you're lost. It's hard, many of the things, I was meant to say this, many of the things that we're talking about are hard to, they're not conceptual things so much as something that you have to watch happen. In the moments without like and don't like, there is no illusion of separation. Any other questions? Okay, so smile tomorrow, tonight. Just because we're practicing Zen doesn't mean we have to look like scary robot people. And it loosens up all kinds of muscles in your face and releases all kinds of good chemicals. This isn't torture, Sashin. This is practice. So, practice smiling.
Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by Hakkabai Zen Center. Our Dharma talks are offered free of charge, and this is made possible by the donations we receive. Your support helps us to continue to offer the Dharma. For more information about Hakkabai and how to give, please visit us on the web at hakkabai.org.